Hey folks, this is Kevin. Just a few words before we start. On Tuesday, September 27th, 2011, we're going to do something huge. Very, very, very important to us. We're going to start the first fundraising effort we've ever had at Indiegogo.com. The campaign is called Keep Risk Running, and our goal is to raise $50,000 in 50 days. Risk is now turning two years old, and it's getting better than ever. More daring, more emotional, more meaningful. We're pushing the envelope like never before, but we're also burning the candle at both ends. We've taken on so much that we simply cannot be running on empty anymore. And we have two choices, to forge ahead with your financial support or to start scaling back. Less podcasts, less live shows, less storytelling workshops. We feel that would be tragic. We're on a roll and it's time to move forward. Now, the list of prizes for giving to our campaign is amazing. Stuff you can't possibly get anywhere else. Margaret Cho has offered that she will answer your relationship question. Janine Garofalo will make you a necklace. Lisa Lampanelli will personally insult you on Twitter. Tom Lennon, Michael Showalter, Joe Latrulio, they'll provide copies of cartoons that they drew on the backs of state scripts in the 90s. Rachel Dratch will provide an autographed copy of her new book. Kevin Nealon will autograph a fleet enema. The Sklar brothers will help you get your fantasy football team in line. You can get a lock of my hair or a picture of me wearing your shoes on my balls. We'll be giving away lots of storytelling workshops and coaching sessions. Even if you can only give $5, go to Indiegogo and check out the campaign. It's called Keep Risk Running. The actual URL is indiegogo.com slash keep dash risk dash running. Our fans have meant so much to us for these past two years. And now I have to say we're depending on you. Let's do this. Now here's the show. Kids, this is Extra Risk, where we give you just a little bit more of the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison. That was a collage by Jeff Barr up top. This is Sean Lee behind me now. And today we're featuring the first part of a story we call Kevin Goes to Kink Camp. Now, 
This is the most explicit story we will ever have featured on the show, so discretion is advised. Uh, it is also the longest story we've ever featured on the show. That's why we're breaking it into two episodes. As is often the case, uh, the names and other biographical information about individuals mentioned in the story have been changed to protect their privacy. Every week, I urge our listeners to take a risk, as well as our storytellers. And today, I'm, uh, I'm doing a, a bit of that myself with the story you're about to hear. So uh, without further ado, this is part one of Kevin Goes to Kink Camp. The first thing I saw as we were driving into the campsite, on the right side there were cabins, and then on the left there were tents, just like any campsite. But as we're driving over this incline, straight ahead of us, I see we're, we're about to pass this, <laughs> this voluptuous blonde woman, this woman that looks like Anna Nicole Smith sort of person. And this gorgeous, like, ripped black man. He's tying her arms up to this, uh, what looks kind of like a maypole. <laughs> and uh, what little sunlight there was was just, like, beaming off these people. And they were laughing, and we started laughing as we passed them, and we waved. And Jefferson said, um, he said, see, even though it's cold, we're going to start seeing that around every corner we turn in this park. Naked people laughing. Now, Jefferson is a friend that I made pretty recently. He, uh, he's a prominent New York storyteller. He had a difficult monogamous marriage for uh, about 15 years. And then he finally got out of that and became what we call polyamorous. Now he is the kookiest, craziest person around, and he, he told this story at a Risk Story Slam about a time that he was teaching an erotic biting workshop. And afterwards, I came up to him, and I was like, that is so outrageous. I didn't know. I, I, I guess I just didn't know that such workshops existed. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I'm going to a summer camp, in just like a month and a half, where there'll be a lot of workshops like that, you gotta come along. And the brand of my own show has kind of um, like pushed me into this evolutionary trajectory where I said, you know what, yeah, fuck it, I'll sign up and go on this kink camp adventure with you, Jefferson. Now, the next day after I had paid my whatever, $400, $450 to, to go to this camp, that I decided to write to the camp director and say, you know what, how many gay men attend this camp? And he wrote back, oh, not many at all. It's mostly, you know, women and straight or maybe bi dudes. <laughs> so I knew right away 
Yes, I was indeed going to be outside my comfort zone. It had been a long time since I had approached a situation saying, I have no idea how I'm going to feel about this. I have no idea what I'm about to experience. And that we just don't have enough of that feeling in our lives. But I did have some preconceived notions. You know, Jefferson uh, came over to my house a couple days before kink camp. I said, you know, I've talked to some people and they say, oh, aren't all those kinksters like ugly? A friend of mine had said to me a couple days prior, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that whole kink community is where ugly people go because they've kind of given up. They figure, ah, fuck it. You know, the rest, I don't fit the rest of society's boundaries or standards of of what beauty is. So fuck it. Why not let it all hang out? And, uh, you know, I think Jefferson gave me some sort of Jesus-y kind of reply, you know, like, uh, well, ugly is as ugly sees or something like that. But um, I would get my answer to that question at camp, but in far more layered and meaningful ways than I had ever suspected. And I was also, you know, pretty frank with friends before going to camp about the fact that, um, I mean, I, I, I had discovered that there weren't going to be many gay guys there. I thought, well, okay, what's something I've never done before? I've never been with a lady. You know, since I'm Mr. Open and accepting and, or, you know, like to think of myself that way, why the fuck not? You know, and here, here was an opportunity to try something like that. I mean, you think to yourself, if at 41 you've never been with a lady, I mean, come on. But, uh... I was open to the idea when I went to kink camp. You know, I hate when gay guys speak disparagingly about women's bodies or when anyone speaks disparagingly about parts of men's bodies. Like, I never call people dicks or assholes or pussies or anything like that because I, I think that, um, well, at least I try not to. And it might sound like I'm super ridiculously PC, but the fact is, I think that that language and the fact that it's every fucking where you look in this sick world of ours that is killing itself, that language comes from very, very deep, very, very prominent fear and loathing of our bodies and our sexuality. It's not meaningless. It's, those aren't just words. That is hate. That's hatred of our bodies. So, if I'm such an open, accepting guy, I figured I should, uh, you know, walk the walk. I should uh, venture into the land of boobies and, and everything else. Now, there were two traveling companions with us. Jefferson was, you know, I, I, I talked about polyamorous relationships. He was 
He was testing those boundaries this very weekend. He was with his dear friend, April. The two of us were very simpatico right from the beginning with a sort of a um, good-natured joking around, a kind of a joking around that's not mean-spirited but kind of appreciative of people, you know? But she's like a very, very, like a high power sort of professional woman. And the other uh, woman with him was Mary, a little quieter and more sensitive and uh, a mother of, of a few kids. I've never seen a person more intently focused on the road. She wasn't listening to a thing anyone else was saying, carefully getting us there safely. And Jefferson was up front next to her, just bopping and, and singing along to the hits on the radio the, the entire time. And then April was in the back with me, just kind of quietly making fun of Jefferson. And I was explaining to her how, as far as my own fetishes go, I had no idea how this was going to fit into that whole arena because, you know, my big thing is Asian guys. And you never know how many of them are going to show up to anything. I was explaining to April that, you know, I mean, the extent to which my own life is kinky stuff comes into my own life is only that I go to gay sex parties often. And gay sex parties, the ones that I go to at least, are not themed. You don't see people dressing up. I, it, all, the, all, all you see is, is sex, which I was about to learn is a rather vanilla <laughs> sort of uh, pastime for the crowd that I was about to get to know. So we get to our cabin, and then in pops Bobby. He's this super skinny guy. Uh, I don't know if he was Irish or Scottish or English or something like that, but he's like, hey, guys. Good to see you. Have a beer or wine or whiskey. And I thought, you know, I could see myself going to like a Rolling Stones concert with this guy or maybe going out on a fishing weekend or something like that. But uh, such a regular nice guy here at Kink Camp. And we said to uh, Bobby, we were like, is this all? Is this all of us now here in the cabin? And he said, no, no, no. There's this guy, Pete. And Missy, his, his wife, Missy, he said, listen, it's awesome because he's got all these great instruments and the guy knows every Hank Williams song ever done. A couple minutes later, they walk in. Uh, Pete is this kind of little guy dressed, for some reason he was dressed a little bit like he was a character in Dickens, you know, with kind of like a shabby top hatty kind of thing. And she was a very tall, good looking, just very, very gentle woman just very kind of hippie-esque and and as they're entering pete has got a mandolin <laughs> in his hands and he, he's he's you know doing some sort of hank williams number even as we're being introduced to them so already we had this quirky cabin of just instantly friendly people and i remember saying to Bobby, at one point, I said, if this is the spirit of the place, then so far it's good by me. And Bobby said, oh, no, no, listen, let me tell you something, Kevin. In this camp, 
people beat the living shit out of each other. And then you sit down with them for dinner and you find out these are the nicest people in the world. And we were just in time for dinner. We went down to the cafeteria, this huge room that could seat about 500 people, just filled to the gills. Everyone is just beaming, smiling, hugging, waving, toasting. It was, it felt like, um, you know, like it was a VJ day or something. <laughs> like, like without us really seeing very much sex or anything like that going on yet, I could tell that there was a feeling of, <sighs> we're here, we're going to spend a weekend being totally free. But I get a chance to kind of look around for the first time at at the demographic because you remember I had that thought in my head of my friend saying, aren't, aren't most of these people ugly? Well, what kind of amazed me was so many different kinds of people. There were elderly people there, people who looked, you know, just like my mom and dad. People who had been swingers in the 60s and 70s, smiling and, you know, practically patting people on, you know, the younger people on the head. There were a lot of Californian types there, people who were into the spiritual side of sex, who would be having all sorts of meditation and tantric breathing workshops throughout the weekend. There were a lot of people who were just hot, young kinksters, like the people that we had seen coming in. Uh, there were a lot of nerds, a lot of uh, people who loved Doctor Who and loved dressing up as pirates or um, medieval knights or people who, who, who add a real sense of humor into their kink play. There was an unusual amount of lesbians, and I found out later that that was because uh, this particular camp was co-founded by a woman that lesbians are just crazy for. <laughs> and throughout the dinner that night, people just kept wanting to get up and make toasts. You know, someone would just get up and be like, I just want to give a toast to the fact that Miss Slutty Slut is here this year. And everyone's like, Woo! And then myself and Jefferson and April and Mary, we all wanted to go to um, what this, this event called Experiment. I think it was pretty brilliant of the camp to have this particular event on this first night. Basically what it was is they had this giant barn that they called the dungeon. And in the barn were just dozens of little stations, little nooks where certain, you know, certain kinds of tables you can lay on or poles you can attach yourself to, all that sort of thing. But at each station, there was a sign, almost like kissing booths, a sign where here you can try being spanked. Here you can try being erotically bitten, which was what uh, Jefferson's... Jefferson was going to be do was going to be running one of these booths. You know, there was a guy who would like blow fire over you, and there was a guy who would flog you. Jefferson has to go to his booth. He has to start biting people. And April and Mary, they wanted to kind of stick together. But see, I have this thing where, um, well, I like to cruise.
I like to go, for example, to gay sex parties and, you know, just kind of wander around. I, fe I always feel a little bit like a shark, you know, like kind of cruising through the water looking for the next bit of prey. <laughs> so I'm cruising around by myself, this, um, this big experiment event, and, and it starts to, I start to get that feeling of, Ooh, I can I participate? I, ooh, I, you know, I've never been spanked. I've never been flogged. I've never been punched or had fire spat at me. <laughs> I've just never done any of this stuff. Uh, so I'm walking through the room in the midst of everything, in the bowels, as it were, was a station and a table, and the sign said, anal probing. And I looked up, and there's this young lady in her early 20s, I guess, very blonde, very short hair, very, very, very boyish looking, just kind of adorable in every way possible, huge smile on her face. And as I'm passing by, she says, would you like an anal probing? Now... I had already heard Jefferson and some of the other people there kind of joking about how, you know, all of the stations made a certain amount of sense for people who were going to be trying kink for the first time. But wasn't anal probing taking it a little too far for this event called Experiment? I mean, you know, having to take your pants off right in public on a table and have someone have their hand up your ass. <laughs> but the fact was... When I came up to this table, I thought to myself, that's the only thing here I've ever done. That's my comfort zone. So when she said, would you like an anal probing? I said, um, yeah. And she just lit up. She was like, oh, great, let's get this ball rolling. Because I guess a lot of people had been, you know, shy about coming up to this particular booth up to that point. So I started taking off my pants and my underwear. And you might think, what, what the hell? But I love, I love that moment of just getting naked in front of people. I don't know why, but that's kind of a kink of mine. The process of just take shedding things right in the middle of people. Uh, getting up on that table, you know, naked from the waist down. Uh, I don't know. It, it, I get a, a thrill out of that because there's something just so, like, freeing and ballsy and kind of fuck it to, to that for me. So I lay down on the table, and people are milling about with their you know, little cups of Coke and noshing on pretzels. <laughs> and um, she said, well, my name's Strap-On Joe, and this is kind of my specialty, helping guys get off uh, via the prostate. And she started, <laughs> she started explaining how, you know, about four inches up, uh, and if you curve your finger toward the interior of the belly button, uh, there is this spot the prostate gland and I'm like yes yes I I I am I have heard of this thing 
And she says, okay, 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 you know what's, you know, you know the deal, so let, let's get this going on. So she puts on a medical glove, and she lubes it up, and she, you know, knows exactly what she's doing. She knows exactly how to get there like that. The thing of it is, when, when you do press that spot... I, I, I don't know about other men, but for me, it's just like instant. <sighs> and Joe saw that and she was like, oh, I think I'm on to something. She said, but she, she could see that I was trying to stay quiet. She was like, no, 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 no. Let it out. She's like, the noise, the noise you make w- will get me off. When I'm in, in the midst of sex like that, I really do become a little bit of a Mr. Hyde. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about the fact that I am a man. (laughs) I make very manly sounds. And I, I, I become, I don't know, I become like very, very, not the way that my persona works in ordinary life. I become quite gruff and lumberjacky. And so, in the middle of this milling crowd, she's, you know, kind of massaging back and forth in there, and I am, uh, you know, letting out my... Uh, and at one point, I did kind of open my eyes a little bit, and I looked up at Joe, and she was just like, Wow, dude. <laughs> you are digging this, and I'm digging that you're digging this. And I didn't notice them at the time, but... Uh, April walked by, and Mary walked by. Everyone was seeing the uh, spectacle unfold. But when it got really intense and seemed like we were nearing the uh, climax, I put on the emergency brake. You know, I kind of propped myself up a little, and I said, Joe, I don't want to come. And she kind of was like, oh, uh, oh, oh, okay. I didn't want to come because, you know, this is the very first event of the first evening. I mean, you know, I wanted to pace myself. So Joe slows down and lightens up and slips out. And so I catch my breath and I prop myself up and I lean into her and she leans into me and I said, you're not going to believe this. That was the first sexual thing I have ever done with a female. Her jaw dropped. She, she was just like, what? wait, you're kidding me. She said, you're gold star? Gold star is a, um, it's a gay slang word, meaning uh, someone who's never been with the opposite sex. And I said, yes, that is, that is ac- exactly the situation. This is the very first, <laughs> this anal probing. <laughs> is the very first sexual thing I've ever done with a female, other than, say, kissing a girl in the sixth grade. She was like, oh, my God, you are so funny. She said, I can't believe I had the honor, without even knowing it, of breaking your opposite gender cherry. I said, yep, yep, it was you. I'll never forget. Strap on Joe. And we laughed, and I got my pants back on, and I strolled away. I went over to Jefferson's booth, and he said, I heard, 
I heard that your very first experiment was the craziest one in this room. And I said, yeah, that is my comfort zone. And he said, so you met Strap-On Joe? I said, yeah, yeah, I did. He said, well, she's a real pro. She's known in the kink community for being, you know, a teacher and uh, a highly paid strap-on fucker of dudes. As I was walking around the um, experiment event, uh, I came upon one of my favorite things that I saw the whole weekend. Uh, one of the stations was uh, you could get zapped by a uh, stun gun like cops use. Um, this woman, beautiful woman, she looked like um, the woman that uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman, his love interest in The Graduate, young lady, and she was completely nude. And she, she her, her hands were kind of like tied to a trapeze bar so she was a little bit suspended in air and this this dude this older man was not not actually zapping her with this stun gun but zapping near her or around her and she kept like screaming and kicking at him and and, and wrestling with him and he was wrestling with her and zapping near her. And there was just so much laughing going on that I couldn't help. I was laughing out loud the whole time. She was laughing. Everyone around the circle just had huge smiles on their faces. It was, I was beginning to understand why they call this stuff play. And I tried a couple more things at the experiment. I tried uh, being spanked. But that really did remind me. It, it really brought very visceral, very concrete memories of my mom hitting me with a wooden spoon when I was a kid. And it was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. I, 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 I pretended I liked it, but I didn't like it. And the next thing I did was uh, to get punched. I went to the punching station, and this guy was amazing. He was this gorgeous guy. I, he seemed like your stereotypical like macho gay dude like you know leather jacket like look like a kind of dude you see at the eagle or whatever what he does is he uses the back of his fist to pound the area above the pecs like rhythmically like bam 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 bam, bam. like like kind of like a, a reverse of a, a chimpanzee or a, you know gorilla beating its chest and once he's got a little rhythm going, once he's like prepared the central nervous system for the fact that there's a lot of like uh, shaking up going on there, everything's like tenderized and prepared and then he just lets go of this fucking like, it, it feels like it is a rock going into your body. Just this bam and the whole body kind of shakes and re re you, you get gets a hold of itself it's like oh whoa 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 and it's just an amazingly emotional feeling i don't know what all we carry in our chest but it seems like a lot of emotion happens there and so when this thing just kind of like cannonballs into it i mean i was just instantly lightheaded 
it it hurt a little bit, but more so it was just this feeling that I had been penetrated. Who knew? But I, I really enjoyed being punched. I would not try it at home. <laughs> I, I would I would want to take a class in what he was doing because it seems like the sort of thing that if you don't know what you're doing, you could really, really hurt someone. But then we had to go because it was time for the orgy. there you have it. That is part one of Kevin Goes to Kink Camp. Be sure to come back and hear the rest of the story. It gets uh, it gets a good deal crazier, folks. Uh, that's the very next episode. We will feature the exciting conclusion. Please go to Indiegogo.com as of Tuesday, September 27th, 2011, for our Keep Risk Running fundraiser campaign. There's so many fun things you can get for giving to help us to keep giving back to you with the show. That's Keep Risk Running at Indiegogo.com. Today's the day, folks. Take a risk.